0: If you've lost your vision, your energy, or your mojo, then this show is for you. Whether it's your health, career, relationships, it's time to reclaim and discover your best life yet. Award-winning journalist and TV host, Gail Guayardo, will touch, move, and inspire you in this entertaining, fast-paced, and informative podcast. Gail has helped thousands of people achieve massive, life-changing transformations. So here's your host, Gail Guayardo.
1: You know, everyone has a story and a voice and deserves to be heard. Also, it's important to own your truth. And that's exactly what my next guest did. Sharon Preston-Folta, the author of Little Sachimo Living, is living in the shadow of her father, the famous Louis Daniel Armstrong. And we're just so excited to have Sharon joining us now. Sharon, thank you so much for joining the Bloom Bonus Podcast.
2: Oh, thank you. Uh, it was
1: my pleasure being your guest and looking forward to our conversation now. me too. A bloom bonus for everyone listening right now is kind of a spin off of my nationally syndicated health and wellness show that is uh headquartered here in the Tampa Bay market. Uh, Sharon was nice enough to join us to share her story and share news about her new memoir out, and I think it's a, and a new documentary, I should say, that we all need to be keeping an eye out for. So you are the father of the iconic musician, Louis Armstrong. And so tell me a little bit about your dad and your life together, because I know even though you were his secret daughter, you still had a very close relationship with him. I really
2: did. And, you know, from the time I was a toddler, I understood and knew who my father was. I was just really proud every time he came on TV. My cousins lived around us and we would gather around the TV and watch him. And he would come and visit us when we lived, wherever we lived, first in Harlem and then in New Jersey. And my cousins would come up. He would bring us a socks full of of coins from his travels, spend a little time with the kids, a little time with me, mainly with my mother, But everybody got to see him and share in him. And my mother and I traveled with him in the summers when I was really little. And he visited us as often as possible. So seeing him on TV, getting his letters, having him visit us, we were completely wrapped in his life. And he was proud to have me as his daughter, to be a father. And he actually, I know he did the best he could. My mother did the best they could. But their circumstances were that he was married and he and my mother began their relationship outside of his fourth marriage. So everything about my mother and I had to be kept private for many reasons. My mother felt that he was going to, and he told her he was going to get a divorce, but that never happened. So for years, you know, he supported us, we were with him. But as things went on, you know, their relationship just became harder to exist in the form that it was in. But I always knew that my father loved me. I knew that my mother loved me. When I was really young, it was easy to just accept things as they were. As I got older, I had more questions and I wanted to know why he wasn't with us. And then eventually I learned that he was married And had a family, you know, or wife outside of mom and I,
1: you know, it's interesting because, you know, the name of this podcast is, you know, your story, your health, your best life. And, you know, and health can be anything. It can be, you know, your spiritual health, your mental health, your physical health. And, and I think by you sharing your story and this is something that you and I talked about on bloom, you know, first through your memoir, it resonates with a lot of people because, you know, it might not have had the same exact dynamics as what your father, Louis Armstrong, had. Right. Still, there are a lot of people out there where it's not, you know, the 1960s sitcom perfect, you know, family image. I mean, that's the minority. The majority of us have had, you know, cracks in our veneer and, you know, and a journey. And so I think, What's so beautiful about what you're doing is that you're sharing a very intimate part of your life. And it's going to be something that helps other people kind of, you know, see life through maybe a different lens.
2: Absolutely. Because mainly I'm letting people know, you know, we were a family. It wasn't the prettiest of families, but we did love each other. And I'm letting people know, just accept what you have and be honest with it. And this way it takes you from being ashamed of yourself, and ashamed of the circumstances, because we're all human, and you come to the place of where you realize whatever they did, they did the best they could with what they had and from where they came from. Now, it's on me to do the best I can, and I've decided that the best thing for me was to tell my life story just as it was, so that other people can see, no, it happens to you know, the most famous people, family is family. And you're right. And this way people will look and people have already told me, Gail, that me telling my story has helped them find their voice.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure it helps them not feel alone, you know, because I mean, even, and I don't know if I've ever really shared this, but, or I don't openly talk about it a lot, you know, my oldest daughters come from my first marriage and they joined a blended family. You know, my husband and I got married now it's almost 20 years and he raised them as his own and loved them as his daughter since they were, you know, three and four years old. And he took that on, not knowing if we would be able to have children together. You know, we did, we have, you know, two daughters. Now I have four daughters and we all look alike and we all are always together under the same roof. And you know, we all get along really well, but at the end of the day, you know, there are dynamics there that are different. You know, it's different for the first two daughters than it is for the second two daughters. I mean, family dynamics change and it makes you feel certain ways and no matter how hard. And I, I really commend you for saying that your mother, you know, she did the best that she could do, but sometimes even with a well-intended parent doing the very best that they can do, You know, it doesn't mean that that left the child completely whole. And I think by you sharing your journey, you know, it helps people of all ages, whether you're the daughter, the sister, you know, the stepdaughter, whoever you are in this scenario, just knowing that you're not alone by by hearing somebody like you with such a high profile father and with the different dynamics going on, it makes you realize that, Hey it doesn't have to fit this perfect you know mold of what we were taught growing up of the family dynamic i mean that that has okay. changed throughout the years yes
2: it has and you know it's always it's changed that we've seen it throughout the years but you know with my story i'm showing you that you know what we openly accept now of a, a, fam- a child from you know out of wedlock situation we it's nothing today And so here, this is back in the 50s and 60s and it was happening then. So I'm showing, no, it's always been around. Right. And now
1: it's just, you know, and there's no shame around it. It's so crazy that you said that because the right after I interviewed you, I was so excited that you came on Bloom. And my husband and I, we take a walk every night after dinner together just to kind of unpack the day. And I was telling him all about you. And I was kind of explaining to him, you know, because my grandfather and my grandmother's from Louisiana and my grandfather went to school in uh, Louisiana, too, in New Orleans. And of course, we were all huge fans growing up. You know how it spans the generations of Louis Armstrong. And I was telling him that I had this opportunity to meet you. And I I was explaining to him that like, yeah, this happened today. People might gossip about it for a hot minute, but then, you know, it's on to the next story and on to the next story. But not only was it probably more hush hush back in the day, but your dad was in the spotlight. And I'm sure yes. he had handlers and people that managed Ugh. him that, you know, all they wanted to focus on is what was good and a perfect and, you know, didn't want to hear about maybe what was going on in his personal life and what was accepted and what wasn't accepted. And to your point, for him, it was having a a whole other family and for other people it might be a different story or you know a different something that they can't talk about like maybe you know their sexuality or yes. or anything i mean this really your memoirs and your story uh, it might not it can apply to so many different scenarios
2: yes absolutely and you know when you brought up the point that he had handlers my goodness you know he was Managed every inch of him was managed to the point where the checks for mom and I came through his booking office. So it, it, we were a part of his business dealings in, in that sense. And they made sure because it, they used to come directly from his wife. So not only did everybody know, but his office needed to participate mm-hmm. in keeping us, you know, keeping him happy which was keeping us happy. And, and so everything was handled. So, you know, it is a different day. And, you know, people need to kind of own their narrative. And, I, and I'll tell you, when I was writing the book, it really wasn't easy because I had certain things in my head in the beginning. I really felt that it was my father's wife that kept us from being together. But as I just sat down and just reviewed the our lives together, took the letters that my mother had saved from my father. Went through those letters that he wrote to her and I and letters that he wrote and audio messages that he sent to us. And just, you know, with laid out the memoir with quotes from those letters, I realized that it was everyone had made a decision to keep it this way. There was no one person, all the adults decided that this was the best way to do it. And my father repeatedly said, "Is my material comforts are taken care of. you know so to him, everything was great. I had a home, you know, I had a nice middle class life. So in his mind, he had done you know what more more than many people do. So you know it's just an opportunity to really, you know come and just say, "Okay, this is what it was." Mm-hmm. And I would take moments, reflect put it together and then move forward. So it took me a while. It took me about three years to actually put the book together.
1: Yeah, I was going to say like, How did that make you feel? Because I still kind of go back and I still try to think about as you talk, and I'm sure this is all, all people, as they read your memoir, you know, I want to talk about the documentary coming out soon. You know, as you listen, I, I listen, I keep thinking about, you know, my daughters, like maybe, you know, they, maybe they feel the older ones and they've even expressed it sometimes that it would have been better for them if they felt like they both came from two, a couple, like if they could just be, Like my younger daughters, where it was two parents that loved each other deeply and two parents that, you know, didn't have issues or didn't have problems in the beginning. You know, they were too young to really understand but mm-hmm. as they grew older, they were like, you know, so even though we tried to keep that nuclear family as a whole, it didn't mean that in their mind, like it goes back to doing the best that you could do. It still doesn't negate the fact that you as a child, right. you as a human, as a teenager, as you got older and older, you still had your own personal experience with this that you needed to release. And that is what you did through the memoir. And so after you did that, was it cathartic? Did it help you kind of like express yourself and and find your truth? Because I think that's what we're all trying to do right now is find our truth and, and talk about the things that maybe weren't perfect in our past, but if we can accept them and we can move forward, we can live a more whole and better life.
2: Absolutely was cathartic and it continues to be cathartic because I'm living in it now. You know, my narrative has completely shifted and I'm speaking of it openly. It's I'm not whispering it anymore. So now, you know, I have the opportunity to share in my father's legacy as people come to me and they tell me about how my father has influenced them, how they enjoy him, how what a fan they are, or they come just to tell me, to thank me for speaking, you know, about that. And for me, it has given me the peace because I really know that I wasn't at fault and my parents, you know, did not validate my emotional, what it was like for me. Mm -hmm. That was definitely not considered, but I've taken. Well, I was just going to say,
1: that's another thing that's changed over the years because back in the fifties and the sixties, it is what it is. And nobody really cared what the kid thought, to be honest with you, you know, for me as a parent, you know, I will now therapy is more, you know, accepted, you know, now it's like I will sit with my kids and I will talk to them and I will own as an adult, whatever role that I played. And I let them talk to me and I talk to them back where I'm coming from. And that in itself is healing, but because of the era that you grew up in and that I grew up with. I'm a 55 year old woman. I, you know, was born in the sixties. And, you know, if I had an issue or a problem or things weren't going and my parents were arguing, I didn't like the dynamics of the family. It was like, suck it up buttercup but but you know, but that's not that left me with a lot of things to you know a lot of a luggage to deal with down the road that I had to deal with later in life and yeah. so you know I think now to your point the youth of today they have that open relationship that can say how they feel and that's a maybe a healthier perspective that you didn't have growing up so now right. now you have had this outlet through your memoir your memoir is helping people you know like myself and others who that want to say, share their truth. I mean, here you and I are talking and I'm talking about something openly that I never really discussed with anyone. So, I mean, you're having the same impact on me on a personal level. So let's talk about the documentary. What's that going to be all about?
2: Well, it, we premiered, it's based on the memoir. The director and I took the memoir and from there wrote the screenplay play. And it's, debuted in June of last year at the Thessaloniki Documentary Festival. From there, we've been in festivals around the country. We premiered in the American Black Film Festival here in November. We were a part of AARP's Movies for Grownups online series. We were a part of the Florida Faith and Family Festival sponsored by AARP. We made our Canadian premiere at Dock which is part of Hot Docs. International in Toronto and what was right after. So International, that's, uh, so those, those three, we were selected to be the opening documentary for Real R-E-E-L South, the PBS production or the PBS uh, production unit that curates and produces documentaries about the South by Southerners or, you know, one or the other. We were season seven, the opener, April 11th. So, oh. and we are currently streaming on pbs.org until today. Okay. Uh, the eight, the 18th, it's no, oh, no, three more days, the 18th. And we are on and have been on various PBS channels throughout the country. So we're in a few more festivals coming up uh, here and internationally, and we have opportunities for international distribution. This well. is
1: incredible. I, I really think it's incredible and so helpful. Now, if people want to read your memoir and you, you kind of listed off the places that we can, you know, search for the documentary, but what is the name of the documentary? How do we find your memoir? Like, how can people get to know you?
2: The name of the documentary is Little Satchmo. Our website is Little Satchmo, D-O-C. So L-I-T-T-L-E and Satchmo, S-A-T-C-H-M-O-D-O-C.com. On there is listed where you can find the documentary, and also how to get in touch with us, and a, a little bit of information about the team that put it together.
1: Well, Sharon, and, and for folks listening, I'm sorry about the, the phones ringing I'm in the middle of a busy studio here, and I, you know, I wanted to grab some free time uh, with you on this call, and so I can't thank you enough for joining us for your story, your health, your best life, our Bloom Bonus uh, podcast, and again for coming on our show. And as your uh, journey continues and grows and expands in your life, you know, please don't hesitate to reach back out to me. We would love to have you back on the show. Oh, thank you so much.
2: I really appreciate it. And I look forward to coming back. Okay. Take care, Sharon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.
0: That's it for today's episode of Your Story, Your Health, Your Best Life with Gail Guayardo. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Gail herself. Be sure to head on over to your story, your health, your best life and pick up a free copy of Gail's gift and join us on the next episode.